0: With the nasty barbs, the explosive rhetoric, and sucker punches to personality, Conservatives are lining up behind six potential candidates to lead them out of the opposition and into government. Which way? they go. Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. Animosity is driving the bus in the Conservatives' largest leadership race ever. More than 400,000 memberships have been sold, according to the party leadership committee, with the closing deadline of today. Six candidates in all looking to lead the party into the next election, with Carleton MP Pierre Polyev siphoning off most of the air in the room. Former Quebec Premier Jean Charest is on that list, along with former Brampton Mayor Patrick Brown, former leadership candidate Lesley Lewis. She's in the ring, along with former Ontario MPP Roman Babar and current Conservative MP Scott Aitchison. Two debates are behind us with the leadership convention set for September in Ottawa. Our unpublished.vote question asks you, which candidate will the Conservatives select? Pierre Polyev, Jean Charest, Leslin Lewis, Patrick Brown, Roman Babar, or Scott Aitchison? You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote and have your voice heard. Coming up on the Unpublished Cafe, we'll chat with Laurie Williams of Mount Royal University, David Coletto of Abacus Data, and Nelson Wiseman, Professor Emeritus at the U U of T. But first, I'm pleased to be joined by Jack Jedwa, president of the Association of Canadian Studies. And, you know, Jack, two debates so far, one in French and Quebec, several of the candidates struggling in, in the French language. How big of a liability is that for them?
1: Uh, it's certainly going to be a bit of a liability for those candidates who aren't able to communicate effectively in French. Uh, the uh, Conservative base, uh, which I think is principally outside of the Montreal area, uh, at least in terms of uh, who's part of that uh, party in Quebec, is certainly going to look for someone who is able to communicate at least minimally in French. Uh, And so that's certainly going to be a factor. And either way, I think, uh, as far as Quebec's concerned, it's going to come down to uh, Monsieur Polièvre and and Mr. Charret.
0: With the point system for the 338 ridings, how big a part do Quebecers play in this race? Uh,
1: They'll play us. I think everyone's going to play a significant part in this race one way or the other in terms of every vote counting, unless, you know, one candidate seems to be pulling away too far. If that should be the case, then, you know, the regional distribution uh, won't matter as much. But, you know, I think uh, every every vote risks counting. And uh, at this point will depend on in terms of the 400,000 people know what the sort of uh, orientation is of uh, the vast majority of that group. And uh, to the extent that uh, the party sees itself uh, as uh, losing uh, support, at least in the big picture, not in terms of the leadership race per se, to the People's Party of Canada and wants to recover some of the uh, losses that they've uh, uh, suffered from the gains of the People party, People's Party of Canada if that's what the base looks like, it certainly will favor Mr. Polyev going towards the leadership decision.
0: Was Jean Chretien jumping into the race a bit of surprise to you? And if so, why?
1: Yeah, it was a bit of a surprise to me. Uh, I uh, would have thought that at this point, given you know his political involvement from his uh, leadership of the federal Conservatives and his longstanding as uh, a cabinet minister, member of the Conservatives, and then going on to Quebec where you know he assumed the. Uh, leadership of the Liberal Party and became Premier of the province. He's had a really long political uh, career and uh, really positive, I would say, overall in terms of the outcome. But I guess he's decided that uh, he hasn't had enough yet. And he wants another try and wants to pursue his uh, dream of being Prime Minister, one that you know he certainly had before he ended up assuming the leadership of the Liberals and going on to be Premier of Quebec.
0: Now, th- th- this leadership race has been... Fairly nasty. Uh, Have you seen a nastier one, and and do you expect it's going to get worse?
1: Um, I suspect. Well, I've I've seen nastier campaigns before. Uh, You know, uh, they're uh, uh, they're. I mean, in Canada, you know, we are known for being more polite, but you know, we are uh, seeing more of that populist effect, and we see those very nasty campaigns south of our border. And clearly, there's some, I think, uh, resemblance in terms of that type of uh, nasty campaign. Uh, in terms of what we're seeing here and the conservatives uh, uh, by and large, and especially those on the more right wing side of the conservative party do have a bit of affinity for the type of politics you see in the U S. So I wouldn't be surprised that we see some of the same slugfest that we see in the U S uh, replicated here in the conservative campaign. And we've seen a bit of it already in those first two leadership debates and the, and the fallout after those debates in terms of uh, what's being said in uh, you know, Mr. Polyev. Uh, uh, doesn't seem to say as much in the aftermath of those debates. It's uh, Mr. Charette, who's clearly uh, right now uh, uh, needing to do a lot of catch up, uh, is uh, is probably going to have to continue to throw a lot more barbs at Mr. Polyev.
0: Are Quebecers paying attention
1: to this campaign? Uh, I so so I would say I think mm-hmm. those people who are more engaged with it are paying attention uh, in the conservative ranks, and much will depend on you know. Uh, what happens uh, in the provincial election? We, we're heading to a provincial election here, and that's certainly going to uh, be far more uh, the object of people's attention here in Quebec than the than the than the federal campaign for the time being. Uh, you know, the provincial election will take place after the leadership is decided, uh, but still, there's going to be risk being some intersection between the two because you know the provincial campaign will get underway as that federal leadership campaign. Uh, is decided, so expect there to be some intersection. There's more affinity on the, I think, uh, CAC uh, Coalition Avenir Quebec side in terms of where their base is relative to the Conservatives uh, federally. So, and you can see already, Mr. Charette, in terms of uh, Mr. Uh, Legault, Premier Legault's uh, uh, demand for repatriating immigration powers is already sort of uh, sending some positive signals as well. Mr. Polyev uh, uh, has, if he hasn't done so already, do much the same. So. Uh, I would suspect that you know that will certainly create a bit of that intersection, uh, intersectional interest, if you like, between the provincial election campaign and the federal leadership campaign. Jack, I want to thank you for joining us. No problem, Ed. My pleasure. have a good weekend. Jack
0: Jedwab is the president of the Association of Canadian Studies. At this point in the leadership race, Pierre Polyev is the front runner by a large margin. His campaign has been unique with his firebrand re- rhetoric about gatekeepers, elites, and freedom. Nelson Wiseman is Professor Emeritus in the Department of Political Science at the University of Toronto, and he joins us now. And Nelson, when you look at the candidates, is there enough variety in ideas, or is this just driven by personality?
2: I think it's both. I think there is variety, and I think there is personality. I mean, in terms of uh, variety, the differences between uh, Jean Charest and let us say Scott Aitchison on one side and Pierre Polyev on the other are quite dramatic. And in fact, a lot of differences between Patrick Brown and Polyev are different and certainly between Charest and Lesnar Lewis. So there are policy differences. When it comes to personalities, there are great differences there too in terms of their style and uh, the way they relate to each other. We've had uh, pointed personal attacks Fiery verbal exchanges, uh, charges of hypocrisy, of law-breaking, of illegal activity. You know, that isn't in the older tradition of Canadian uh, uh, politics, and certainly not in leadership places.
0: Do the Conservatives run the risk of alienating voters, though, with all the vitriol in in this campaign?
2: Uh, Voters have a very short attention span. Mm -hmm. So whoever becomes the leader, I think, if and when we get to an election, which may not happen for another three years, uh, nobody will be talking about this. Uh, but voters are getting impressions now of the uh, candidates, especially Polyev, because he's the front runner, And uh, so he's getting a lot of ink, a lot of face time in media, and he's been in parliament. Uh, which is what we can't say about Patrick Brown or Jean Charest. Uh, Jean Charest is known to an older generation of Canadians. Uh, So uh, although the media are very familiar with him and write about him to a lot of people, you know, he's ancient history.
0: And is that a help or a hindrance for him?
2: Well, it it, it can be either. Hmm. In this case, because remember, when we're talking about voters, we're only talking about uh, select members of the conservative party who, vote, who, are, who are eligible to vote. Uh, and I believe that the culture and the membership of the conservative party has shifted ideologically in uh, Polyev's direction. Remember, uh, Charest was leader of the old progressive conservative party. It doesn't exist anymore, because although we like to think that it it merged with the Canadian Alliance, and and Polyev comes out of that tradition, it was actually acquired by the Reform Party and the Canadian Alliance. And and that's where the, the, the culture is. Also, because of the dynamic that developed around the pandemic, specifically vaccination, which has become a polarizing issue in the uh leadership race as it was in last year's federal election and Charest is clearly on one side and uh Polyev and, and others like Leslie Lewis and and Babber are on the other side
0: you you brought up Scott Atchison a little while ago and I found it a little surprising he jumped in and and his first his first priority I remember mentioning was talking about Quebec in in Bill 96. Did you find that a bit of a strange strange look? Well,
2: what I found strange is that I agree with you, his throwing his hat into the ring. I didn't think he'd be able to raise the money, just as a number of other prospective candidates uh, weren't able to. Uh, I don't have a a strong sense of him. I mean, he seems a very reasonable and uh, uh, wants to stress unity of the party. With respect to Bill 96, uh, this bill doesn't have the same traction, I believe, in the rest of Canada, outside of Quebec, as Bill 21 does, which deals with religious symbols worn by public officials, because that's seen as a matter of freedom of religion. In the case of language, uh, I believe a lot of English Canadians have already, in many ways, dissociated themselves and or resigned themselves to the politics of Quebec. And they recognize that this is simply catering uh, to nationalist impulse, which is, uh, shall I say, paranoid about the status mm-hmm. of French in Quebec?
0: Mm-hmm. You know, from what we've seen so far in this campaign, how, how is it different from, say, the previous one, uh, Aaron O'Toole and, and Maxine Bernier, or even going back, Brian Mulroney, when he upended Joe Clark?
2: Uh, every every uh, leadership race is distinct. It's unique. History moves on. It's constantly moving so that the uh, the goalposts change. And also, most importantly, the context is completely different. So talking about the Mulroney-Clark contest is to talk about a party that doesn't exist anymore, the old progressive conservative party. And and it came uh, completely different. It's much easier to compare what's going on now to what happened with Aaron O'Toole's election and Andrew Scheer's election, because they've all happened in the recent past. So the big division, if I recall, between O'Toole and Bernier was over supply management, which is really why O'Toole won, because although Bernier was from Quebec, where supply management has, well, I think it's got the largest proportion of farmers, at least dairy farmers, They rallied to, uh, they joined O'Toole, O'Toole's campaign, and that defeated Bernier. That was the division there. It was before the pandemic, before, but it also led to the creation of the People's Party. When we go back to Sheer, the dynamic was similar. I mean, uh, Bernier, hang on, O'Toole didn't defeat uh, Bernier. Bernier had the People's Party, I believe, already. I'm trying to th- and now even think about who, who O'Toole defeated in second place. But that division was clear with Sheer, Bernier and Sheer, and then we had Bernier breaking off. Uh,
3: do you remember, Ed, who O'Toole defeated? Uh,
0: I could have sworn that was Bernier. But, okay, moving on here for a but, second. No, you
2: know, this, this is a very good point. We're both political junkies. And it shows how uh, attention span is so, so brief. But I'll tell you what is uh, different between the O'Toole victory in that leadership campaign and the Sheer victory, comparing those two how they're similar and how they're different from this one. In both those cases, at the end of the day, o- O'Toole and Shear won on the last ballot. And in both cases, the difference were the social conservatives in the party, the ones that were opposed to abortion or to uh, a positive or favorable outlook at gays. And uh, that's different this time. Uh, Now, Leslie Lewis ran third last time. Again, I don't remember who ran second, but that made the difference. And it also made the difference when... When sheer won uh when he defeated Bernier, mm-hmm. so uh, this time uh that isn't as clear yet. I don't think Lewis will be but I think this will happen uh i I think uh, the Lewis people on their second choice and the Babber people will swing to uh polyev as their second choice, whereas I think the Aitchison and brown people will swing to Charest. Alternatively, if brown comes second, I expect Charest supporters to look more favorably at brown than at Paulieff. But don't underestimate Paulieff's support in Quebec because there is a strong anti-vax group there. It's small, but it's very uh, determined. And many showed up at the French language debate among the leadership candidates.
0: You know, considering what we saw with the Ontario election results last night, with the Conservatives basically eating the Liberals' lunch, and well, this being the most populous province, do you expect a change in direction for the leader, the federal Conservative leadership race?
2: Then, no, no, I don't. Okay. I, well, I don't see a connection between the uh, uh, federal. Uh, a lot of people are quick to draw uh, ties between the federal and provincial parties, Liberal, Conservative, and so on. And I think sometimes there are uh, strong ideological links. I mean, I would have said between O'Toole and Kenny, when O'Toole was complimenting Kenny on how he handled the pandemic, <laughs> disastrously, as it turned out. But uh, we, don't, we, we haven't seen much ideological affinity between the Ontario Conservatives as led by Ford in the last year and the federal Conservatives. Uh, look at vaccination the big differences, and lockdowns, and the trucker convoy. I mean, we had Ford who, who, who uh, declared a, a provincial emergency before the feds did and became critical of the truckers, whereas Polyev was palling
0: with them. Uh, Nelson, I, I want to thank you for joining us. A very interesting perspective. Thank you, Ed. Nelson Wiseman's professor emeritus in the Department of Political Science at the University of Toronto. As mentioned off the top, Pierre Poliev is leading the, the federal conservative leadership race by a fair size margin. But is he bulletproof? David Coletto is the CEO of Abacus Data and he joins us now. And David Poliev was first in the race and had a, a fairly mercurial rise to the top of the candidates. Can he flame out too early?
4: I think there's always a risk that happens we've seen it actually in the last two leadership races where you know front runners didn't end up winning and um you know folks below them kind of surprised us by you know pulling together second and third uh, uh choices but there's no doubt as you said he is still the favorite he is still the most liked of the leaders among those uh, that would support the Conservative Party, but in more in some of our recent tracking, we've noticed for the first time his his negatives are going up and his positives are going down, and I think it's a reflection of the debate that he 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 starts himself by throwing out um you know what what some would consider controversial ideas and letting them become the focus of the campaign, and so as a result. We've seen his negatives double. They've been, now, it's, he's nowhere near in, I think, danger zone, but he went from 7% of those who would vote conservative having a negative view of him up to 14. So it's, it's a noticeable shift and one that, you know, if it were to continue, um, could suggest he uh, might be vulnerable and, and, and anybody but Pierre campaign could develop.
0: You know, Bruce Anderson uh, with Abacus as well mentioned the potential voter pool for them is, is shrinking. Why is that? And what's the impact? Well, I think, I mean, one of the things we don't know is how big the membership is going
4: to be, who are ultimately going to decide this. And we'll see that in the next few weeks as, 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 uh, I think just in, uh, I think today actually, um, is the last day, um, to sign up new members, but, you know, every time I think a candidate of any, of any party, uh, of any stripe, um, throws out ideas and becomes the focus of pretty intense criticism, um, that's going to have an effect on those open to voting for you. And I think in the conservative leadership race, which is often the case in in, in conservative leadership races, but in in, in many parties, the, the, the choices that voters and members are being asked to make are, which of these candidates do I like the most? Do I agree with the most? It gets me excited. But also, which of these candidates can actually win? And for a party that's been out of power now for three straight elections, I think the interplay between those two factors is going to be important. And so what Pierre Poilievre has done, I think by being as controversial and 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 doubling down, right? He's not he's not shying away from these positions is perhaps raising more questions about his electability, which is the fundamental argument that John Shere and Patrick Brown, his two primary opponents are making about themselves and and him and and Pierre Polyev in terms of his inability perhaps to get elected.
0: It, you know, I, I look at, at your numbers that, you know, Polyev leads among, you know, Conservative Party members, but, you know, Charest is the preferred one among Canadians. How does he work that, Charest? And it was favored.
4: Well, it's a hard one. And I think he's been trying to because the, 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 despite the fact that Pierre Polyev has seen his negatives go up, Jean Charest remains the least popular. Of the candidates running among conservative supporters. Um, about a quarter of them say, I don't have a favorable view of him, I have a negative view. And so his challenge remains convincing people who might otherwise not like him, not see them, see him as one of them, right? Um, convincing them not only should they maybe plug their nose and vote for him, but that because he can win an election. And 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 trying to rebalance the scale in terms of that being the most important factor, right? So I do still think Charest has a very challenging road to win the leadership, in part because so many of, of the conservative base, and I suspect among conservative members, it's even more so, um, don't view him uh, favorably. And, and I think there's a lot of, sus, you know, they view him, sus, they're, they're suspect that he may not be one of them, um, as Pierre Polyev himself has tried to, to, to paint, you know, that liberal, uh, logo all over Mr. Charest and, and reminding people that he was the liberal premier of Quebec. He, he,
0: he's not one of them, but, you know, that sort of shows division in, in, in a sense, right? And, and, you know, Pierre Polyev isn't one of them to the other side. So how does this party work it out? That's
4: the big question, right? Mm-hmm. Is I have never seen as divisive an internal party debate as the one we've seen over the last few months. Um, you know, these candidates have called themselves names, unqualified to be, you know, an MP, let alone the leader of a party or prime minister, right? And so they've undermined each other so much that you can't imagine. I don't think you can imagine Mr. Polyev and Mr. Sharay sitting in the same caucus working closely together. And that's that that suggests to me that might extend to those that support them and those either in caucus or in otherwise. So I think whoever wins this leadership, and it's still, I think, likely to be Mr. Polyev, the question then becomes can he? bring the party together? Can you unify it? Because what we've seen over the last five, well, more, eight years, basically, is a divided conservative party who, who hasn't been able to keep a leader for very long. And, and those internal battles continue to be its, its, its primary Achilles heel. And initial indications are that it's, it's not going away. And this leadership race is making it worse, not better.
0: When, when you figure Ed Fast resigned, uh, because he wasn't well, keen on a lot of Polyev policies. Uh, I I don't see how somebody who's a little bit moderate on, on, on the conservative side sort of sidling up to Polyev after the fact.
1: How, well, how I, I agree.
4: I think I think yeah. it, you know, people will remember how they were treated um during these these days. And someone with Mr. Fast's experience, he was a cabinet minister, he was finance critic, just as you said to a few days ago, to feel so compelled and so, you know, uh, uh, treated so poorly by somebody who's likely to become the leader of his party, um, suggests that you may have some incumbents who decide not to run again or who choose not to sit. I think, you know, I'm speculating too much mm-hmm. here, but you, I think given the animosity in this race, um, you, you'd have to expect there's going to be hard feelings and those hard feelings are going to be hard to overcome, um, in a short period of time.
0: Uh, David, I want to thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure, Ed. Take care. David Coletto is the CEO of Abacus Data. The federal conservative leadership campaign has a fair amount of road ahead and the potential for a candidate to hit the ditch before the finish line. Lori Williams is an associate professor in the Department of Economics, Justice, and Policy Studies at Mount Royal University, and she joins us now. And Lori, which candidate, in your view, benefits from the length of this campaign?
3: The, uh, Pierre Poiliev clearly has, uh, just because he got out in front and started campaigning from the beginning, has a lot more sort of momentum going into this race. The others have been playing catch up. Uh, that said, though, the other candidates, given that there's a fairly long campaign to, to make up that difference, but unfortunately, they're going to try to do it over the summer and that, that can be quite tricky. So so we've got the deadline for for um, actually becoming a member, um, is is now passed or passing, and and so is now trying to appeal to the folks that are already on those lists. Uh,
0: how much do you think this campaign is going to define the Conservative Party?
3: Well, it looks like a fight for what the Conservative Party of Canada is, and, and there are very different visions being put forward here. Between those frontrunners, Pierre Poilievre and Jean Charest, uh, it's very interesting that poliev is is clearly campaigning uh, to the right in many ways in a populist campaign, uh, opposed to vaccinations, raising questions about institutions and elites, and so forth. Um, and Jean Charest is pointing to the dangers associated with that. Um, what I find really interesting is looking at the results of the Ontario election, we see the most successful conservative leader in Canada uh, since stephen harper is 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 Ford. And the real is because he's not particularly ideological. He kicked folks out of his cabinet for not for opposing vaccine mandates and questioning healthcare policies. Um, he worked with the liberals, which I think is indicative of what a lot of Canadians want to see politicians do to them which level of government is at work. What what's important to them is that the different levels of governments they, they voted for work together to try to solve the very real problems Canadians are facing.
0: You know, a lot's been made about the divide in, of Canadians regionally and, you know, the formula for, for deciding this race with each riding worth 100 points. Uh, do you see it inflaming the division more or maybe toning it down? You know, I'm thinking that, you know, Quebec has twice as much Sway as Alberta would in in this race.
3: Yeah, I, I do think that is uh, that could benefit some candidates, Chauvet in particular, and could uh, could disadvantage. But yeah, but having said that, it's important to remember that Chauvet started his campaign in Alberta, so I think he's very aware of the fact that he doesn't want to look like he's he's uh, come in um, or won the their way. He wants to to ensure that his appeal. Uh, spans the entire country. Um, and the reality is in Canada, the, the vast majority of the population is in central Canada. And those votes are going to affect who becomes leader, who becomes prime minister. Policies are pursued. And we've seen, you know, several leaders come out of Alberta who have had to govern for the entire country when they were prime minister. And that's just a reality of Canadian politics.
0: Yeah, Polly, Ev is a freight train right now. Do you think he's unstoppable?
3: Well, I'm, I think it's quite clear he's well ahead and very difficult to catch. Uh, he's behaving as though he doesn't care or, or think that there's going to be a second ballot, that he's going to win on the first ballot, and he's he's not apparently court, trying to court candidates or the voters for other candidates al- along the way. So it's just a question of whether Jean Charest is is uh, successful in calling attention to some of the issues that will be important going into the next election. Um, again, we've seen uh, Conservative Party leaders nationally campaign a little to the right in a more populist direction when it came to the leadership and had to pivot more to the centre in order to try to win votes across the country. And, and the question becomes whether Poiliev is going to be given the somewhat uh, extreme views that he is associating himself with.
0: But that you know that seems to be the, the the problem with with the conservatives in terms of leaders. You know they, when it comes to the the, the race for for leadership, yeah. You, you mentioned they tacked right, and then they try to go to the middle to get more people, and, and then we're back to division again.
3: Well, the divisions don't go away. They tend to sort of fall off the radar when when conservatives do well in elections and polls, and when those polls don't look quite, well, the the factions sort of split open again. But it's really important to understand that Conservative parties in Canada, uh, certainly in Alberta and at the federal level, are coalitions of very distinct parties um, with people that have very different views, that oppose one another, that even dislike one another. Uh, And and because of all of those different factions and the the dissonance between and amongst those factions, the the incompatibility of some of the demands that they're making, it's extremely difficult to govern one of these parties. Now, Stephen Harper showed one strategy for doing that, and that was on communication within the party, say what he would consider publicly and what he wouldn't. He persuaded members that this was the path to electoral victory, and, and once he he won elections, he had l- less trouble trying to keep those, those factions under control. It's much more difficult for a leader and is tanking in the polls.
0: Laurie, I want to thank you for joining us.
3: It was my pleasure, as always, Ed.
0: Laurie Williams is an associate professor in the Department of Economics, Justice, and Policy Studies at Mount Royal University. Her unpublished.vote question asks you, which candidate will the Conservatives select as the next leader? Pierre Paulyab, Jean Charest, Leslin Lewis, Patrick Brown, Roman Baber, or Scott Aitchison. You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote. I want to thank our guest today, Jack Jedwab of the Association of Canadian Studies, Nelson Wiseman at the U of T, David Coletto of Abacus Data, and Laurie Williams at Mount Royal University. And I want to thank you for watching The Unpublished Cafe. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.